Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome back to another Enneagram podcast. This is uh, one of your hosts, Ryan Mayfield, with my other host, Cody Bray. Not that, you know, that's the order of significance or anything. It's just I started talking first, and so I named myself first. What Cody, what do you think that says about me that I listed my own self first when I introduced us? Man, I didn't. I don't think anything of it. You actually do all the work, so I'm. You, you can you can introduce yourself first <laughs> all the time. So, well, uh, hey, we've got another interview for you today with with a friend of mine and uh, somebody that I have the privilege of of working with him and his team. But before we jump into that, because of who he is and what his enneagram number is, Cody, I wanted to ask you what would you do if you had to work with a team full of Enneagram ones? Um, Boy, don't take too long to answer. Oh my Good goodness. grief. Um, if I had to work with a team full of ones, I would wear a suit and tie every day. I would only speak when spoken to. <laughs> um, I would study up on my grammar and, uh, and try to say, um, as, as, yeah, as least as possible. Oh, uh, that's funny. Uh, that would be as little as possible. As little. <laughs> <laughs> Batter up. There he is. Well, you know, Enneagram ones, I, if you don't remember, am an Enneagram one, uh, very much. So I like stuff done the right way. Uh, and of course my way is the right way, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. Uh, I say that in jest, but you know, it's, it's difficult for a lot of ones to, to not actually believe that. Right. And it's not necessarily that they're like trying to be arrogant or anything like that. But, but I know from personal experience, like ones tend to see what the world could be Mm -hmm. if everything, you know, would work how it's supposed to quote unquote, how it's supposed to work. And so when things don't work how they're supposed to, when people don't do what they should be doing, uh, we see the world breaking down and we see things working in an inefficient way or a wrong way or an unfair way. And so it's just like this, this thing that gnaws at us, right? Now, most of the time, truth be told, ones are harder on themselves than they are yeah. on other people. Now, other people don't tend to know that because they don't see the inner workings of an Enneagram one. They just see, you know, what comes out of them on other people, which can be, uh, harshness and criticism and stuff. But, but I'll tell you, Enneagram ones have this thing inside of them that just hardly doesn't let them go to sleep at night. If they, if they haven't lived up to their own standards. Right. Yeah, sure. And so, man, I, I know that feeling well. And Evan is a, a good friend of mine for quite a while. We used to be uh, colleagues working together in a nonprofit organization. Uh, since then uh, we've just continued to be friends, but also like I said, I have the privilege of working with that organization now as a client and their uh, main office and leadership team there. Evan is the CFO of the company and is one of his tasks is to help lead the office team and help that team develop and grow. And so uh, Evan is also an Enneagram One and 
it's just been really cool working with them. Part of it that's been cool for me has, you know, being a previous staff person with the organization now kind of coming back around and getting to help provide a service for them that, uh, that they needed and, and wanted there. And I think is making a positive impact in their team culture. Uh, but also just getting to come back in and, and see, I don't know, some, some things kind of come into focus, uh, some things that maybe weren't as clear before and now are making more sense that people are beginning to understand themselves and the people that they work with. And so there's actually multiple Enneagram ones in that office wow. right now, which uh, is, is fun, but they're doing a great job with stuff. And um, yeah, so I'm just excited to, to get to that conversation with, with Evan. So any other thoughts before we jump into that interview? No, man, I, I love Enneagram ones. Uh, my little sister is actually a one, and uh, you talked. To, you talked. You mentioned it earlier, but the idea that ones can just be so hard on themselves, and uh, and it's it's been neat because um, Jessica, my sister, and I have had some really intense conversations because for sevens we actually disintegrate um, towards ones, mm-hmm. and uh, and in those moments I become very critical and cynical, um, but honestly towards myself, and so. Mm-hmm learning from her, actually learning from you. And that has been um, really life-giving for me as well. Very cool. Well, so I think this interview uh, went really well and I'm excited to share it with you guys. So here is my interview with Evan Tier, CFO of Student Mobilization and the Traveling Team. Evan, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. Now, is this your first Enneagram podcast to be on, or is this another one for you as well? <laughs> Definitely my first. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, Definitely. I'm glad you're here, man. Uh, I've known Evan for a while. We've worked together and uh, been friends. And uh, Evan, why don't you just give kind of an introduction, tell people who you are and what it is that you do? Well, uh, yeah, like you said, my name is Evan. Um, I work here in Conway, Arkansas. I work for an organization called Student Mobilization. It's a nonprofit uh, ministry, uh, ministry to college students kind of all over the U.S. And um, I've been working there for about eight years and um, just recently got the opportunity to be the, the CFO. And we, we have about 12 people in our office here and I get to lead that team. And um, I am married, have a, have a little girl who is just has just turned seven months old. So yeah. uh, first kid and that's a, it's a fun, it's, it's fun and it's a lot of learning and it's, it's definitely changed my life a lot. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> how's, how's your sleep schedule? Man, to be honest, I, uh, she, her name is Adley and I think we got incredibly lucky, blessed, whatever you want to say, to have a very good sleeper. So I hear stories nice. from others. Yeah. I hear stories from other, um, from other people that had their first baby and, uh, I hear some nightmare type stories. And so it's a huge adjustment, but it could be a lot worse from what I hear. So we're sleeping pretty good. She does a good job. Nice. That's awesome. So you said you just kind of came into this new role as CFO and uh, kind of leading some stuff in the office with a team there. What has that been like? What have been some of the, the, you know, good things about that? What have been some of the challenges with that? Well, um, you know, we have an awesome team. I think, uh, Ryan, you know, you, you worked here for a while before, <laughs> <laughs> before I was the CFO, and uh, we have a good dynamic. It's a laid-back office. Um, there, it, it doesn't have a real strict corporate structure. 
I would say. And I think that has its uh, advantages and maybe some disadvantages. Um, but it's been good. I have a great relationship with the people here. Um, having been here for eight years first. And so it's not like I came out, uh, came in from somewhere else. But the biggest difference is instead of being up here, trying to transition into a role where I feel like I'm leading them, um, where I feel responsible to some degree for, uh, well, fully, not just to some degree, for yeah. how they how they feel and how uh, how they're accomplishing their, their work and uh, ultimately for them to, you know, stay here and continue to be uh, great workers for us. And so, and take care of them, you know? So it, it's a new pressure, I guess, that you feel something else to think about other than the day-to-day tasks that have to be done too. So yeah. it's been good though. I've enjoyed it. So making that jump from peer to, um, I guess you could say boss or, you know, leader, overseer, whatever, uh, whatever word you want to plug in there. What, what have been the big challenges with that? Has that been difficult? Has it been pretty seamless? What's that been like? It's a great question. I think um, we, I would say that my transition has not necessarily been the typical transition to this role um, in that. Um, so I took someone else's position or role, kind of switched with them, um, mm. which uh, is still, to be, to be honest, just being, we're trying to figure out that relationship. I mean, it's a great relationship. No, don't get me wrong. It's a great relationship, but um, I think it's kind of weird on both sides. And mm-hmm. in that, um, you have a transition for uh, who who is the leader of the office um, mm-hmm. for those people that you know for for the rest of the office. And so for them to kind of figure out who is the go to for certain questions um, or um, yeah, who, who they take certain issues to has been a growing process. I mean, it didn't just change overnight. And I think that we still have some way to go. I've only been in the role for eight months, I guess. No, officially in the role for uh, five months. Okay. So I was interim for a little while before that. But yeah, so difficulties, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say anything has been really difficult up to this point with, you know, relationship wise mm-hmm. um, but me figuring out what it means to, to lead them uh, what it means to take care of them uh, as a team has definitely been hard I mean it's been something brand new for me um, I am a person who I think I, I, I'm a task person task oriented person so um, give me a bunch of tasks and I can knock them off of the list right. but if you add relationships on top of that it's, it's not my first thing to think about and, yeah. and so it's, it's stretching me for sure. Yeah. So, you know, this being an Enneagram podcast, we should probably talk about that. Uh, you and I are both Enneagram ones, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what has that uh, kind of journey or discovery been like for you personally? What, what have you learned about yourself? How has that been beneficial to you? Well, it's funny. I think we both, it's been a little while since the very first time that we, we talked some Enneagram things. Uh, me and you, I think we did it in a different context maybe uh, a couple of years ago. And I just yeah. remember thinking, the first time we went through Enneagram, I remember thinking, this makes so much sense. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, it just gave me some perspective or, or uh, an understanding of why I think certain things, um, why I'm you know, have certain bends in the way that I handle situations. And 
it just makes a, it's just made a lot more sense to me. Um, it, you, what was the exact question other than explaining? Just like, how's it been beneficial to you personally? And, um, yeah, what's it meant to you? Yeah. So it's, there's been good conversations with my wife because we both went through it the first time. And so she's a Enneagram two. And, mm-hmm. um, I think we, we come at, well, I know we come at situations with completely different from completely different perspectives. And so yeah. we've had good conversations about, um, you know, me understanding why she feels a certain way and then vice versa, her feeling, understanding why I feel a certain way. I think that's been really good. Um, it has helped me understand some of my, uh, my approach to big time decisions in our, in our office when I'm dealing with mm-hmm. our CEO who, who's an eight. Um, and always also very drastically different ways that yeah. we come about, come about uh, big time decisions. And so I think it just helps me to understand it. And, it, and more than anything, yeah, it helps me understand who I am. But um, I think I take less maybe offense to other people's responses when I understand them from hmm. what their what their Enneagram number is. Um, I, I, again, like I go back to my boss, Dave, and, um, you know, he, when I now understand why he is the way he is, uh, he's very passionate. Um, and so I, I get it a little bit more. I I realize it's who he is more than, um, a, a, something personal to me if we're disagreeing or something of that nature. So that's helpful to me. I, I see things through a different lens more often. Yeah. yeah that makes total sense uh, with, with him. So talk the other way though. So you're kind of talking about working up to your boss. Talk about how the Enneagram has impacted, you know, working down to the people that you're now responsible for leading. What has it meant for that environment? Well, I think whether uh, the first thing I think of is it doesn't really matter what my um, Enneagram number is just Enneagram in, in general learning about it has caused me to ask more questions or to um, explain it almost give like a, here's why I tend to be like this. Does this bother you? Um, kind of thing. So I, I probably over communicate in the office mm. as someone, I think many would probably agree with that, whether they think it's over communication or not. Some people love that much communication uh, and others don't but um we've had some maybe funny but also just i think healthy conversations about yeah you know i I realize that i have to say it all like if i i want to make sure that you understand everything that um that i'm thinking in my mind uh, that i want you to do and um you know it's funny some they'll say yeah you know yeah that's exactly how you do it um but I think it builds, again, it builds understanding. It builds understanding from both sides. And then I also try to, particularly if someone doesn't need that much information, you know, I'm going to try to um, be self-aware and not over-communicate in those situations. Right. Just the bullet points, right? Yeah, I'll, I try. I don't know how often I succeed, <laughs> but... Uh, like I, I think I've told you this before, and maybe this is how everyone feels with the with the Enneagram. I don't, I don't know, but when I found out that I was a one and we kind of started talking about it, I couldn't feel more deeply that I resonated with, with something mm. than, than that. I mean, I just, yeah. it is 100%. That is how I operate when you start explaining some of the things about who a one yeah. is. 
So I yeah, like I know people- it can definitely be that way. Like that, I was the same way. Um, but I also know people that, you know, have a lot more trouble kind of identifying what their Enneagram type is, but, but I'm right there with you. Like the one is just so accurately, you know, to my personality. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm there. So you mentioned something like it brings understanding, right? So that makes a lot of sense. Get that. Why do you think leaders should value that in the first place though? Because, you know, like some work environments, maybe in decades past, it might've been like, Hey, suck it up, deal with it. This is your job. You know, why do you think it's important for leaders today to actually even care about understanding their teams? Hmm, That's a great question. And I'm going to answer it from being me and you, Ryan, are both technically millennials, right? Because I think we're about the same age. We're like on the very edge. Yeah, we're some of the oldest millennials, I believe, depending on who you ask. Yeah. So it's like I I hear the generation above me talking about millennials a lot. (laughs) I'm like, hey, you realize I'm a millennial, right? (laughs) Uh, But um, I think – Maybe in, in older generations, there wasn't as much of a value put on understanding or it was just really, hey, I'm your boss and you need to do what I'm asking you to do. Um, whether it's for good or for bad, which I think it's probably in, in the long run, I think it can cause, can create a healthier environment. But people want, especially younger people, I think, want to be understood more, to be heard more. And it's I think that people are less willing to work in an environment where they where they don't uh, feel heard and they don't feel yeah. understood. And if they're just going to work every day and hearing um, derogatory, you know, do this and you didn't do this and go get it done, uh, they're just less likely today. Whether that's good or bad, I think they're just less likely to hang in there and do that for, yeah. for the long haul. And so um, I think there's – that's just probably a generational change. But as a leader, I have to pay attention to that. Or, mm. um, I mean, if I don't, I'm probably going to end up with a, unhe- I'm probably not going to end up with a team that I want in the long run. And so, yeah, yeah you know, I, people are going to leave for whatever reason. And they may not even know that that's the reason they're leaving for. They just don't feel, they don't feel good in their job. They don't, they don't yeah. enjoy it. So, um, you know, for our team specifically, you know, since you've been doing monthly trainings with us and and it's been one of i can tell our team really enjoys it they they love mm, getting awesome. to learn about themselves they love getting to um talk with other people about where they're coming from and um it it really is and i think it is contributing to their morale and taking care of them here at the office and make them feel like we care about who they are and yeah. how they how they work well and you know you mentioned how it has been not just impacting, you know, your work life, but also home life. Right. And so hopefully with the people on your team, they're getting some of that too, right? It's not just a little bonus for your time in the office, but hopefully an investment in your life in general, which, you know, that doesn't show up on, on job descriptions as a benefit, like health insurance or something like that. But, but I still think it's a benefit. And, you know, it's interesting, you were talking about like the generational change and how, uh, you know, people want to be known in their jobs and, and the way you talked about it kind of made me think about it a little bit differently than I have in the past, you know, and I think there's still validity to this, the idea that, yeah, you need to 
invest in your teams and, and that kind of stuff. But you were more talking about it like, hey, society and culture is going this way. And as a leader, I need to pay attention to that. And what I, I don't know, kind of the thought I had about that was like, man, he's, he's right. There's this thing in people now that if they take a job and don't enjoy that job, they know that there are actually more enjoyable jobs out there, right? I mean, the famous yeah. ones when you look at like Google or Facebook or, <laughs> yeah. you know, places like that. Uh, or even if you go to the the HP office here where we're at, there's, you know, ping pong tables and all this kind of stuff, you know, to make it like more than just a cubicle, right? And so I think this, that idea of your work as more than just a cubicle is kind of, ingrained into people's heads right now. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a reality so that when they find a job that tends to only be a cubicle or even worse than that, that's like, I don't think I want to stay here, you know? Uh, and so that's kind of a different angle on it than I'd thought about it before. So, so I like that insight. So as a one that's leading a team, what would you say to other Enneagram ones that are in positions of leadership? What's your advice? You got to come prepared for that one. Huh? <laughs> I, I think, and, and you're the expert. So if I say something that, that doesn't even make sense from a one standpoint, you're going to have to call me on it. But um, I do think that my number one thing that I, that I need, need to be paying attention to and um, try to, I, and I hope I'm doing decent at it, is that I have to work at not valuing the task over the people. I mean, um, I'm, I guess I, I think that lines up with being a one, just my perfectionist mindset and being such a task driven person. Um, you know, I can't, it's so hard for me to set aside a, a, a task unless it's done. And that might mean that I put aside the relational thing that needs to happen first or mm. during the middle of it. You know, like, well, I'll put that off. I've, I just need to get this done. And, um, and also I, I, you know, I'm going to do it until it's really done, Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I think that fits with being a one. It's just that I have to work on being valuing people m more than the task, which is even almost hard to say, <laughs> but yeah. more. I almost said as much as the task, but really that's kind of ridiculous. I probably need to value them more than the task, um, at hand. Uh, so, and I do. And it's just the way that it comes out of me, I think. And then I have to work on communicating that. Yeah, I, I think that's it. That's yeah. probably my number one thing. That's, a, that's another good insight, like that there's a difference between valuing someone and communicating that you value someone. And I totally understand what you're saying there because I can make a decision, you know, in my head or whatever that, okay, I value this person. <laughs> but, but getting that from, you know, inside of my head out, into the real world where they can actually experience it and believe that it's true. That's a whole different, whole different thing. Are you doing a marriage counseling podcast now? Is that, is that what <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. Don't tell me that doesn't happen in your marriage. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm, I'm perfect at that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I really relate to you though. That's yeah. Make a decision. I, yeah, I value someone in my head, but whether or not I communicated it before I went to the next thing is a different, different story. Right. Right. Yeah, man. I get that for sure. So, well, Hey, anything else, any other just parting thoughts about being a one in leadership, uh, leading a team using the Enneagram, what's your kind of parting thoughts here? 
parting thoughts. Well, we, again, I would go back to the, how much I value accuracy and, and almost perfection. And, um, I, I have such a hard time understanding why other people don't. Hmm. And with the Enneagram, I've begun to understand now that, that there are people on the other side of the spectrum that look at me and think, I cannot believe you care that much about that $1, yeah. you know, that, that, <laughs> that little imperfection. And um, where it was just so difficult for me to see why they felt the way they felt. Now, I realize they're on the other side going, man, you're crazy. Like, why, yeah. why do you care that much about that $1? And I, I just, I think that that's been good for me. It's been good for me to realize in my marriage. It's been good for me to realize here at the office, there, there are people in leadership positions, including my boss, who mm-hmm. don't see quite the need for perfection that I do. Mm. Um, and it maybe it's one of the things that makes me maybe good, good at my job, but um, I'm learning that there has to be compromise in that area. Like, like I'm not the only person with a valid opinion on, on that front. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it just all keeps going back to the idea that I understand other people's, we, we can have different opinions and there's not just a right and wrong all the time. <laughs> uh, I, I always think there's just a yeah. right. And Did you hear that Enneagram ones? <laughs> right, right. Black and white, there is some gray. I hate gray. Let's be honest. I, I hate it. But there is, there are situations and there are, <laughs> there are things that are gray. Yeah. Maybe it makes me anxious, yeah. nervous. I don't know, but it, but it's, but it is that way. I think, I, I mean, I'm literally, I'm, I'm speaking this out, thinking about five situations right now that I'm about to go back to working on. Yeah. <laughs> this, this applies to so thanks for uh, taking some time to do a little interview on here and um, excited to to see how this all continues to work out with your team there especially you taking on some of the new roles and um, yeah hopefully it can continue to serve you guys well yeah well thank you for having me on man it's been fun hey thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram. We're at another Enneagram or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Another Enneagram Podcast.